Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nini White, and in this episode, I am once again honored to have a conversation with Francis Wardle, author of Oh Boy Strategies for Teaching Young Boys in Early Childhood. In this, our second conversation about his book, Francis deepens our understanding about how and why the specific needs of young boys in early childhood environments must be appreciated and must be appropriately addressed. Francis also provides practical advice for bringing men into young boys' learning environments in ways that fulfill everyone's goodness-of-fit requirements. Francis does not in any way disparage the current quality of most early learning, early childhood learning environments with their emphasis on nurturing and the gentler side of raising kids. He is simply and very clearly expanding our awareness, helping us to move past some of the unconscious biases most of us are probably carrying into those environments and into our work with young boys. His voice is strong and clear. And in this episode, Francis shines a bright light on the many ways that men can be much more meaningfully included in young boys' social, emotional, and life skills development. All right. So today we have uh, the grand and happy pleasure of bringing Francis Wardle back again for part two of his incredible book, Oh Boy. Because last time we uh, neglected to cover one of the most important chapters. Of course, they're all important, but the one about bringing men into early childhood programs. So first of all, welcome, Francis. Thank you. Good to be back. Yes. And so in your book, you refer to the goodness of fit several times. I love that concept. And I love how you showed that the goodness of fit framework is especially relevant to bringing men into early childhood educational environments. So now, please share your thoughts on that subject. Yeah, the, the idea of goodness of fit is that we all develop within a context of social and physical environments. And the more there is a match between how we develop, how we learn, how we grow, and those environments, the more effective our learning and growth occurs. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes inimitable sense. Yes. The dilemma is that our early childhood programs, for no no fault of their own, match uh, the needs of girls far more than they do the needs of boys. Mm -hmm. They are what I call a female culture. And again, female cultures are wonderful. They're supportive. They're nurturing. They're creative, all, all sorts of things. But yeah. they don't provide that piece that little boys really need. Yeah. That piece has to do with um, physical activity, large motor activity, a certain amount of mess, a certain amount of confusion, <laughs> a certain amount of noise, a certain amount of going out in the bush and just bushwhacking your way through the brambles and things like that. <laughs> And the way that is, the only way we can do that is by bringing men into the field. Mm. And so the challenge is, how do we do that? And there are, it seems to me, multiple ways to do that. It's not just teachers, although we do desperately need more male teachers. But there are two other areas that we need to work on to get more men into the field. One is members of the family. 
and I don't mean just fathers, but also boyfriends and uncles and grandfathers and older brothers, any man in the family uh, who can <clears throat> provide the modeling and provide the activities for young boys in the program. One of the things I did when I was in Head Start was I brought in uh, workbenches and uh, carpentry tools and went to the local hardware store and picked up pieces of wood and uh, ended up getting a lot of uh, men from programs, fathers and uh, uncles and grandparents to come in and show the kids how to work on the wood woodwork bench. <laughs> and this is a classic example of we need to provide activities and we need to provide environments where men feel friendly. Yes. And men, in many cases, do not feel friendly in our early childhood programs. Sure. You walk into a program and there are no magazines about cars and sports and things that men like. You walk into the classroom and all the pictures of the parents are or teachers are women and children. There just isn't a sense that we belong. So we need to make a huge effort to move the paradigm over to say we expect men to be engaged in our programs. Uh, the other group of uh, men that we need to be attracting are volunteers. Yeah. At every level, one main level, of course, here is in the classroom, on field trips, on the playground, helping create gardens, all those kind of things. Uh, seniors. Uh, scouts, um, other people in the community do volunteer work. We need to access them. A whole group of people also will be uh, university students who have to do internships for their degrees, and this is getting to be very uh, popular in my community college. There's a lot of community service requirements now. We mm. need to access those uh, <clears throat> requirements. But the other place that we need to do it is if we have any advisory boards, we need to get high-profile men from the community on those boards so they can show men in the community that this is an honorable thing to do. Yes, beautiful. And what I love is the long-term picture because it's honorable and it's going to have long-term effects for these young little boys. Uh, yeah, and it affects, has effects beyond simply what we term modeling. It has effects in that um, I just talked to a, a was on a local radio show, and it was interesting because this actually was a woman, but she was viewing her the program of her grandchild from a male point of view, and she said, "I looked at all these books and said, if I was a little boy, I wouldn't read any of these books. They're not interesting yeah. to me." Right, right, right. So, so the 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 main issue is that that we change the environment because men see the world differently. That's simply the way it is. Right. That's the way it is. I mean, I'm... one example is in dramatic play. I go to dramatic play and, you know, they have the, the, the clothes, the women's clothes and the women's hats and the women's shoes. And they have dolls and they have cooking uh, <clears throat> things to cook. They don't even have a damn barbecue. Yeah. Which is, um, you know, and they, when I was teaching kindergarten, I brought in hard hats. I brought in coats from firemen, I brought in yeah. hoses, uh, and all the little, little boys ended up in the dramatic player. Of course. And what's magnificent is that 
these differences of boys and girls are so built right into them. It's just astounding. I, I think there's something in the, in the thinking these days that, oh, no, they're not just born like that. But do you want to speak on that at all? Well, again, I think we can get into the weeds when we dis, uh, discuss, is it brain? Is it hormone? Is it culture? Yep. The bottom yep. line is it, it is. Yeah. And so that to make sure that boys don't fail or don't feel like failures, we simply have to have a paradigm shift to say to boys, it's okay, okay to make noise. It's okay to be yeah. messy. It's okay to want to d- destroy things. It's okay to want <laughs> to build things. That's part of who you are. And not to punish <laughs> you, not to somehow say that's not appropriate, yeah. to compare you to Sarah and say, look, Sarah didn't knock down the tower. What's wrong with you? Yes, yes. Absolutely. So sadly, there were there are quite a number of barriers to involving men in early childhood environments, including societal barriers, and some are conscious and maybe some are not so conscious. Do you want to help us uh, think about that more clearly? Yes, um, most are not conscious. Most are Mm -hmm. um, bias uh, that we're not aware of. Uh, When my children were young, I used to take them to the doctor and I used to take them to uh, early childhood programs. And it was really interesting when I went to the doctor and he asked me for all the medical information and I didn't have it because I wasn't used to it. Uh, He turned around and said, please bring your wife next time. And then when I'd go to the early childhood program or child care program with my wife and started talking to the teacher about one of our children, she would ignore me and just talk to my wife. Oh, yeah. Um, and then finally, and this is, is the worst case in my view, when I actually worked for an early childhood company and my boss was a woman and I told my woman, and I, my boss, the woman that I needed to take time off to take my children to the doctor, she turned around and says, why do you want to do that? That's your wife's job. Oh, dear. Right. So we're not even encouraging men to get involved with their children in the schools, in right. the early childhood programs. And that was a woman who said that to you. Absolutely. Yes. So, so just making the point that a lot of these barriers are subconscious. Not, not only was it a woman, it was a woman in an early childhood company. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. So uh, there are different parenting styles yes. that you discussed in that uh, final chapter, which was so rich with uh, practical insights. But t- do you want to talk about that for a while? Well, I, I think that uh, we need to help parents um, engage with their children, particularly men, since we're looking at this. And men often have not been taught how to be nurturing, how to involve their children in decision-making, how to help them control their behavior. Men tend to be over-authoritarian, which is one of the learning styles. And we need to help men understand that you don't need to be authoritarian. Again, society often thinks the men need to enforce the rules, the men need to, you know, wait till daddy comes home approach. And we need to get away from that, that and help men understand that it's uh, totally appropriate to be nurturing, it's pr- totally appropriate for them to be creative, to, for them to sit in the rocking chair and pick up the doll and rock the doll and feed the doll, all those kind of things. 
I think there's nothing more beautiful than a man that knows how to be with children, yes. young children, especially when you see how it affects the children and the boys most especially. Actually, parenthetically, my wife said she married me because she saw how I worked with children. I believe <laughs> it. I believe it. Absolutely. Um, so then you have something in this final chapter about surveying men on how they want to be involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, give us some suggestions for that. Well, the, my initial suggestion is when uh, programs, be they school programs, Head Start programs, uh, private childcare programs, any uh, program that serves children zero to eight years old, when they register the child for uh, the program, there should be a place on that form itself to say, to ask the parents, how would you like to be involved? And to separate that out by gender, mothers uh -huh. and fathers or uncles, aunts, um, grandparents. And then give them some choices. Would you like to be involved in the playground? Would you like to be involved in field trips? Yeah. Uh, but then open-end, what are things you can contribute to our program? Right. And yeah. start right there. And then any contact the program has with the parents, for instance, um, the teacher conference, student teacher conference. First of all, do all you can to get men from the the uh, family to that conference, yeah. and then ask them how would you like to be involved with your child in the program. Yes, and provide lots of opportunities, not simply uh, in the classroom, but you know, are there skills you have that you could bring? maybe to the playground, maybe you're in construction, you can bring some construction materials and we can build a fort in the playground. Oh. Uh, or um, you're, you come from uh, a research program and you have solar cars and you have model solar cars and you're going to have a, kids build solar cars on the, um, on the uh, workbench and then race the solar cars out on the playground. I mean, there's oh. all sorts of things oh. if we're just open-ended enough to understand that every person in that program has gifts and talents that they can contribute to the program. Exactly, exactly. Um, do, you have any, do you have any stories about contrasting programs that didn't have much male involvement and then they got male involvement and the change in the kids? Is, is, that, is that anything you could share with us? Absolutely. As I said, when I, I taught kindergarten in, in Pennsylvania for a year, yeah. And when I originally um, went to the program, uh, the boys uh, were not did not engage in the dramatic play area at all. They they simply avoided the dramatic play area. <laughs> the girls did not engage in the woodwork. They had a wonderful woodwork um, facility for a variety of reasons, but the girls really didn't do woodwork. Yeah. So <clears throat> for the woodwork, I introduced. Um, paints, I introduced yarn, I introduced buttons and zippers and things that they could add to their constructions. And then the girls flocked over there. With the, with the dramatic play, I did two things. One is I introduced, as I said, hard hats, um, fireman's hats, fireman's coats. Uh, and then I also introduced uh, tools and uh, old typewriters, old telephones, things that boys just love to break apart and all those yeah. kinds of things. And then we had as many boys as girls in dramatic play. Uh, 
happy boys and girls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's gorgeous. What else do we want to share with our listeners? Well, I, I think we need to, to back off and um, understand that it's not only this, this specific, the micro, what I call the micro things, things we can do in the classroom, yes. things we can do to encourage men, things we can do to uh, try to uh, encourage men in the actual profession. Yes. But it's, we also have to look at the, the, the higher level. We need to uh, impact uh, state departments of education. We need to impact schools. We need to impact people who have got everything wrong. The, what, what they've got wrong is this idea that education is a ladder and that you start at the bottom rung. And if for some reason you have trouble with the bottom rung, you'll never make it to the top of the ladder. Well, that's uh, crazy. That's absolutely right. crazy. Right. And what that has done is means we end up focusing on assessments. We end up focusing on teaching discrete, discrete academic skills. We end up saying kids are failures if they're not reading in kindergarten. And this tends to uh, be worse for boys and girls because, as we've said, boys tend to be delayed in emotional regulation, in verbal skills, and in certain academic skills. And the only way to change that is to, we have to change the top of the system as well. We have to insist that the first eight years of life, of the first eight years of early childhood is not the first rungs of the ladder. It's not school preparation. It's setting the foundation for life, which is play, which is hands-on learning, which is exploring the environment, which is learning social skills, which is learning human relations, all those basic fundamental uh, constructs that are needed before children are successful in school. Yes. So that's a very big picture. Yes. Uh, what can people do, just one person at a time? They implement? can insist every time somebody says, well, we need assessments, or every time somebody says, your child needs to be put in special education because they're not ready to read at age six years old, or your child has ADHD when they don't. They're simply typically um, a typical boy running around. We need to say, no, this is not appropriate. This is simply not what is appropriate for young children up to age eight years old. We need to allow them to run. We need to allow them to use their full body to learn, all those kind of things. We need to start standing up and saying, the experts don't know what they're talking about. Oh, hallelujah, brother. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we need to be very assertive. Very good. And just in a, in a very solid understanding that this is not just being overly protective of your child. It's really having the big picture understanding about child development. Each child develops as an individual and like you tell us your story again just well quickly. i grew up on a farm and i absolutely loved the outdoors i loved cycling i loved uh, picking flowers i loved hiking uh, but i struggled to read and in fact i didn't read until uh, early adolescence but what, like how old how old? 12 13 years old oh my gosh okay go on but what enabled me to be successful was and actually transferred into my writing was that I was good in art and good in woodwork and good in dance and my school and my parents said that's fine your yeah. the other stuff will come later and it did right right 
Um, I did, uh, from our former uh, conversation on this podcast, one of the people uh, that wrote in questions asked me about what are, how, what's your familiarity with that whole Waldorf approach to not rush reading? What do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I have quite a familiarity with Waldorf and mm-hmm. many things, I like many things about Waldorf. However, there are certain things that don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. For instance, it says don't even start teaching children reading until their adult teeth come in. Well, there's no relationship with adult teeth and reading. If a child's ready <laughs> to read, they're ready to read. If they're not, it has nothing to do with teeth. <laughs> I didn't know. Yes. But they do, I mean, they do, <clears throat> they also limit um, technology for young children, which I think is also important. Okay. Yeah. And as we talked about before, they have a great, both Waldorf and um, Montessori focus a lot and actually true Strobel, who is the father of father kindergarten, have a strong emphasis on the arts. And you know how important I think the arts are. Exactly, exactly. So can you, I mean, I could, but I want to hear what you, how you would tie this all in to young boys' social, emotional learning and development. Well, yes. I mean, this is the, this is the crux of the issue is young mm-hmm. boys... Uh, tend to be delayed in emotional regulation, tend to be delayed in social skill development, tend to be delayed in um, literacy. And the response to the traditional, in the traditional programs is to penalize them, to punish them, to say, put them in special education, to uh, expect them to learn these basic academic skills, and often to not... um, help them develop in the very areas which where they need the most development, which is social and emotional. Hmm. So not only are they struggling socially and emotionally, but we tend to, to take that development away from them. Yeah. I, they, they tend to be taken out of the art activity so that they can learn math or taken <clears throat> not allowed to play on the playground because they engage in inappropriate physical behavior inside, which in general, as I say, usually isn't inappropriate at all. So not only are we not developing their social and emotional um, development at their age, but we're penalizing them because they are naturally delayed compared to girls. Pretty much backwards. Yes, totally backwards. Yeah. Okay. Well... Thank you. I mean, your book, I, I really have to send you a picture of all of the place marks that I've put in your book. It <laughs> okay. Is so, <laughs> it is so rich with important insights that just, I think when anybody would read your book, they would say, oh, of course. Oh, absolutely. Right. Wow, right. I knew that, you know, yeah, I, but to read it in your book and see it. And then with all of the incredible research that you include with it, it's just like, okay, now we know, now we need to act. Also, so. I encourage both teachers and parents who are struggling with uh, the powers that be to just take a book with them when they go to the conference and put it down there and says, Dr. Wardle says. <laughs> very good. Very good. Wonderful. And then the next time you and I speak together on this podcast, we're going to talk about how to how teachers and parents and people involved with early childhood education can um, move forward past all the barriers that seem to be there against uh, really creative and appropriate programs. So uh, we will do that next time. Great. Thank you.
Enjoyed it. Thank, thank you, Francis. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And just as with our first conversation, Francis invites you to ask him any questions you'd like. I promise his interest in your questions, concerns, and your challenges could not be more sincere. Just head over to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast Facebook page, like it, and post your question. Or you can just send an email to me at ask at kidsownwisdom.com. Again, the title of Francis's book is Oh Boy, Strategies for Teaching Boys in Early Childhood. You can find it at childcareexchange.com backslash catalog. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being one of those noble teachers who are committed to never-ending lifelong learning and to the healthy social-emotional learning and development of today's youngest learners. I am forever respectfully for you and grateful to you.